giving God something and you paying for something that you gave God. Like I say, I'm not going money, I'm going to pull it around, but I'm just using the paying and stuff for a minute. For example, if I pulled up in the parking lot this morning, and me and Jennifer, we made a mistake, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to think bad about Jennifer today. I said, today's, this is payday, Jen, and it's time to repair ties. I said, so I'm going to pay her ties. Well, she knows I don't have a checkbook. That's the rule at the house. Cricket don't get a checkbook. So, it, uh, because I don't keep track of my checks. And so, I, what I do normally on some order, I walk across to the bank on pay weekend and I, I get my money out of the ATM and I pay my ties in cash every Sunday when I pay. Alright, so Jennifer don't usually come to church, so she don't know what I do. <laughs> so, she goes, she goes, okay, well, I took my $200 in cash, put it in my envelope, wrote, Jonathan, Jennifer, Abel's ties and dropped in the bucket. She thought when I came by here that we we're going to pay our ties uh, that she was supposed to write a check. So she wrote a, a check, Jonathan, Jennifer, Abel's, and dropped it in the envelope. So we double paid our ties today. And so when she came around there, she says, "Hey, I paid the ties." I said, "So did I." And she goes, "Oh!" <laughs> so she's like, "Where's Miss Gracie?" She started looking for Miss Gracie. I said, "Jennifer, you don't love the Lord enough to give him your ties." And so, because what the truth is, she didn't want that check to bounce. This is what it was. So she had to go get that. But saying that if I pulled up this morning to pay my tithes in the parking lot, and the richest man in this town pulled up beside me, rolled his window down and said this. He says, hey, I know it's tithe, your tithe, tithe week. Here, don't give your tithes. Give mine instead. It's worth more. And he handed me his tithes. And I took that tithe and thought, wow, that's awesome. My tithes just tripled. And I took my tithes and put it back in my pocket and I went and gave his. I want you to tell you something. That wasn't my offering. Because if my offering doesn't cost me something, then it's not an offering. And so it's not a gift. That was his gift that I used. And a lot of times we use gifts from other people a lot of times to even maybe get credit for things. But I want you to know something. There's more value in you giving a gift to God than anything else that you do. Now, like I said, I'm not about money, but I'm going to pull it back out in just a second. This is not about... Because I don't believe this represents money. So, if you look in the book of Matthew chapter 14, this story actually appears in three of the four Gospels. There's one in Matthew 6, I mean 26, there's one in Mark 14, and the same story in John 12. But I'm going to read the one in Mark real quick. And it says this. And being at Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. What a reputation. All right. As he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. And then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves. And they said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii, given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have you will have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may be able to do them good. But me, you don't have with you always. She has done what she could, so she has come before beforehand to anoint my body for burial, assuredly I say to you, whatever, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done 
will be told as a memorial of her. Now you need to understand what was going on here. He was at Simon the leper's house. Obviously he wasn't a leper anymore. God had obviously healed this man or they wouldn't be in his house because he would have been a leper. But he kept the reputation of the leper. He was at his house eating his food at a meal and a gathering that was going on. Simon had invested into this event. There were people that were serving and doing things at this point. And you know, there were people that probably traveled a long way to get to be able to... There were, I'm saying there was a lot of cost involved in this story, more than we see this class being broken. No one questioned all the other money being spent. But when a lady brought what she had, and broke it at the feet of Jesus and poured it out. It says the religious people instantly stepped back and got indignant. One version says began to criticize. One people said one says began to gossip and talk about why is this gift wasted? I want you to know something. People do not understand sacrifice. People do not understand paying a price. And letting it cost you something to serve the Lord. There's a lot of people that don't understand you getting up on Sunday morning on your only day off probably in a week. And you going to church to be able to stand in the presence of God and let Him know that He's first in your life above all else the rest of the week. That's sacrifice. But people don't understand that. There are people that don't understand getting up in the morning and reading their Bible. People don't understand praying. People don't understand you know, people going and doing things in the name of the Lord for other people because people don't usually understand sacrifice. Sacrifice is a, a weird, unusual thing. And for someone to actually make a sacrifice, there are several opponents that you will deal with that will try to keep you from making a sacrifice. And the first sign that you're moving into a place of sacrifice is your mind will try to talk you out of it. When you start questioning, when you feel the prompting of the Lord ask you to do something, and you go to do it, but then your mind starts telling you, I really don't got to do that to be close to the Lord. I really don't got to go there to do it. I don't really got to go be a... See, your mind, the first sign of where an area that you can sacrifice in, your mind will begin to talk you out of it. Secondly, in an area of sacrifice in each one of our lives, the next thing that we'll try to do is, you'll probably be the only one doing it. Because, see, cost is different for everyone. For me, um, the price of something is totally different than what Jennifer considers reasonable prices for things. If that makes any sense. For me, um, if it's something that I want really bad, uh, I don't usually look at the price. (laughs) Because the cost is not important to me at that moment. When I tell Jen I want to get something, first thing she says, how much is it going to cost? Because our evaluation of cost is different. Every single person in this room's evaluation of cost is different. I'm just going to splurge on it a minute, okay? This year for Thanksgiving, I wanted to have a goose. 
I've been trying to talk Jennifer into letting me have a goose for Thanksgiving instead of a turkey for the last like eight years because I like to try weird and different stuff. Right? And Jennifer is very traditional. So Jennifer was like, we're not having goose, we're having turkey. I said, but Jennifer, goose is so good. She goes, how do you know goose is so good? Because goose is $7 a pound and I can get a turkey for 68 cents a pound. I said, what do you think? Why would that be? And she was like, we're not paying $50 for a goose. And so I stayed on her and stayed on her and stayed on her and stayed on her about, Jen, I need a goose for Christmas. And I mean, for Thanksgiving, it's going to be the best food we ever. And I stayed on. And so she just closed the deal. And so when she came out and closed the deal, she said, all right, you can get a goose. So I paid $48 for a goose. I know you're shaming me right now, but it was her money, not mine. So, for Thanksgiving this year, we didn't do turkey, we did goose. Jennifer thought it was outlandish. And i got to be honest with you, I'd worked up in my mind so big about how amazing this goose is fixing to taste that we cooked it and I researched how to cook it and all that. But on the back end, Jennifer went on and bought a turkey anyway. <laughs> all right? And so, on Thanksgiving, if you saw it, there was a goose and there was a turkey on our table. After Thanksgiving, there was one slice out of a goose taken out and the whole turkey was gone. Because... The goose did not taste anything like what I thought a $7 a pound bird should taste like. And the turkey was amazing. Saying that to say this. See, she thought that was insanity. I thought it was a necessity. All right? And cost is different. What I consider to be a reasonable cost, you may not. In this story, there was only one person. There were a lot of people financially involved in this story, but there was only one person that was so financially involved that the people standing in the back were saying, that's a waste. They were judging this situation. They didn't understand sacrifice. Because this lady, this lady was willing to make a sacrifice at a high price. The spikenard there, historically, if you do your theologically, was equal to a one-year salary. That's a lot of money. One-year salary, she was breaking and pouring on her feet. And the truth is, you're right. They could have taken that money and done, probably fed a lot of poor. But see, she wasn't going to give the Lord anything that didn't cost her something. Because she understood, God has the cattle of a thousand hills. He can have whatever He wants, whenever He wants. He is all sufficient. As a matter of fact, the only reason why your bills are paid is because your God supplies all your needs according to His riches and His glory. Money ain't a thing to God. But she knew this. Because it's a thing to me, it's not a sacrifice unless it hurts a little. David said, I could use my influence to get this, but it wouldn't be a gift to the Lord. It would be your gift. And for me to give something to God, it's going to have to cost something. Now, she didn't under, she, the people around her didn't understand what the sacrifice was. They all didn't know why she would do it. But she did. And so the question is, why did she? Well, if you read back a little bit before in her life, this young lady's brother was dead. And he'd been dead for a long time. It had devastated their family. Been dead three days. The situation was irreversible. There was no way to fix this thing. There was no way to change what was happening. And Jesus stepped into the picture. And He took their faith to another level. And He did something that nobody else on the world could do. Only Jesus could raise her brother from the dead. And because Jesus had done something in her life that no one else could do, she understood, I don't care what I can give, what I've got, and what it costs, I want to give whatever's I got to Jesus, even to the point of sacrifice. Now, there's another story in the Bible 
that a lot of people get confused with this story. Because it's just kind of the same story. It's a lady that breaks an alabaster box. And this one is found in the book of Luke, verse 7. Now, this is a totally different lady. But a lot of times the stories get mixed up. Because what I'm here to tell, I want to show you this. To be This is not an unusual thing. David said this, My nation is in ruins. There's a plague destroying my nation. And I could build that altar. I could take what this guy's given me and I could do it and be obedient to the Lord. But it won't cost me anything. And so I'm not going to give God anything that's not going to cost me something. David understood this principle. Mary understood this principle. She understood Jesus can do things in my life that no one else can do. And because... He can do those things. And she knew. The Bible says that she was anointing His feet and it was representation. He said of what the anointing of my body that's about to come about, what myrrh actually represents. It was about the anointing of my dead body, the suffering that I'm going to go through. She's just doing it beforehand because she knows what I'm going to do for her will change her life forever. And I'm worth that in her life for not to just give any old perfume, but my best. Then, in this story, in Luke chapter 36, it says this. Then one of the Pharisees asked how to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Now, we're talking about somebody different here. This was not Mary of Bethany, Lazarus' sister. This was, this was the Bible says, does not tell her name in this story, but it was a sinner. And when she knew that Jesus had sat at the table in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair from her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. And now when the Pharisees had invited, who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he weren't a prophet, if he were a prophet, would he know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now, David did it in the Old Testament. Mary Bethany did it because she understood this principle of gift giving. And a sinner did it because she understood the principle of gift giving. This was not a godly or church lady This was a lady that had, I've just come to this understanding in my life because I don't believe people sin because they want to. I believe people live a life of sin because it is a lack of knowing there's any other way to get through or go over or be happy than what they're doing. And I believe this lady had a lifestyle. Now theologians believe that this was a prostitute. They believe that this girl... Had was when it says sinner, it's the nice way of saying she was a harlot or she was a woman of the night. And the Pharisees were judging her because of the lifestyle that she had lived. I don't know her situation. I don't know if she was trying to support people. I don't know kids. I don't know if, I, but I do know this. She had found a way to keep feeding her family or herself. And it was leaving her utterly destroyed. I've met with people that have lived these lifestyles and man, I've seen the ones that have recovered and they say they were never happy a moment of it. 
They were doing what they had to do to get by through the situations they were going through. And so when I, when I see this here, and I know there was brokenness in her because she, the Bible says there were tears running down her face. This was not a life she was, she chose. She might have chose it at the beginning, but she wasn't living it anymore because she had chose it. But she knew this. There's Jesus. And I've got a chance to give Him something that I believe He needs. And if I take the chance to give Him something that He needs, it will open a door for Him to do something in me that I can't do for myself. There come, the kids are coming in to sit with us because we're practicing our performance in just a few minutes. But what she did was this. Theologians believe that when she came to His feet and broke the alabaster box, this was not a bottle of perfume or a financial gift that she gave. Her offering represented something else. What she came and gave, because of her profession, the oil that she broke on his feet was an oil that she would normally dab behind the ears or spritz on her clothes before a client would come into the room. A fragrant oil that would make her attractive or alluring. She had this oil that honestly made it possible for her to do her job. It was an occupation that she had to perform because nobody wanted to be with a stinky person. Or no, So she would take these oils. And she said, God, what I have to do what it is that I do, I don't want to hold on to it anymore and just keep it to myself. I want to give you what I have to be able to perform the job that I have. I don't know if I'm making the job saying this. There's so many of us, because cost is different for everyone. There's so many of us when it comes to Christmas, and we say, I want to give God something. You don't mind pulling out a checkbook and writing it because it's, that's easy to do. Although it's, and for some of us, it's not easy to do. What I'm saying is, cost is different. I believe there are some people in this room this year that God is asking you to give a gift that only you can give. You say, well, cricket, I don't have a lot of finances. But what you do have, you have gifts, talents, occupation. You have ability. And see, sacrifice isn't only about money. But sacrifice can be about time. Sacrifice can be about commitment. Sacrifice can be about service. The talents, the giftings, the things that you have that God has given you to perform your will here. You may be using it. You may have been to college and learned something. And you can come and say, well, Cricket, I would love to. I just don't got time. But that's because you're not willing to pay a sacrifice. Sacrifice costs you something. And for some people, they don't have a problem loving God. They don't have a problem even giving fine. But they don't, they got too, they're too busy to do anything for God or give God any of their ability. I believe here sacrifice is represented number one by ability. Number two, she broke an alabaster box. And that alabaster box is full of a fragrant oil. Well, why does anybody wear fragrant oil? Because they want the person beside them to be influenced by what they smell like. I'm so glad 
that when somebody sits beside me, they put on cologne and brush their teeth before they came to church sometimes. And I'm sure there are times that they wish I would. And I, I always, I, we, me and Jennifer had a thing the other day, and first the guy sat down right across from us and he was talking. The first thing he did was slide a pack of gum across the table. I said, is it that bad? And he said, no, no, no. I didn't. But, and so uh, I, I, I believe that when she broke this, she was saying, God, I have influence. I have something that I use to influence people with. But God, if I just keep my influence to myself, it will only be what it is. But if I will use my influence in the form of sacrifice, and I will take it even when it's difficult, the people that I know, the people that I make contact with, and I will use this for you, I will begin to tell people that I've been afraid to tell about you and who you are. I will begin to use the people that have a relationship with me in the area of influence. And I will use my influence as sacrifice to make a difference in their lives. God will see a sacrificeful gift to you. Let me just ask you this. Is there anybody in your life that you've been too intimidated to tell about Jesus? Is there anybody in your life that you've been too worried to invite to come to church with you? Is there anybody in your life you're worried about what they're going to think or what they're going to say or they're going to call you a preacher at work or if they're going to call you a holy roller or you think they're going to criticize the commitments that you made? Is there anybody in your life that you don't think they would understand if they knew the commitment levels that you made in your own life? See, I believe this. Number one, God wants your effort and your abilities. That's why He gave them to you. And when you make time in your schedule and you put energy behind you doing something for God, that's a sacrifice because it costs you something. Then number two, I believe this. When you take the relationships that you have in your sphere of influence and you make Jesus the number one focus of that relationship for you to know whether they know Him or not, that is a sacrifice. God, can, you can take that influence and bring it to the Lord. And He will pull back and say, what an amazing gift. And then there is the wealth. I know some people, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I know some people that They don't mind giving time. And they don't mind giving, inviting people. But honestly, it would be easier for them to spend 20 hours a week at the church on their off time for them to write a dollar check and put it in an offering. That oil was very expensive. As a matter of fact, she went to work to get the money to buy it so she could keep working, doing what she was doing. And it was representative of her wealth. Now, there are some people that can't necessarily give as much time as others. There are some people that don't have as many friends or influence as other people have. And there are some people, the Bible says that God's called to be able to sacrifice in the area of finances. Now, I don't think everybody has the gift of giving. If I believe every believer should give. But there are some people that God has placed you in the body of Christ to be able to do that. And I I just want to bring this up. God notices... Every penny you've ever given. Because the Bible says this. There was a woman that gave two mites. And God says she gave more than anybody else. What made her two mites worth more than every th- all the tons that others had given? It was because it was a bigger sacrifice. And I'm here to tell you this. The sacrifice, official gift that God is calling you to give... You can never outgive God. There are some people, there was a farmer that said this, says, you know, he had this cow that produced a lot of milk. And 
his friend came up and says, man, that cow gives the best milk in the world. He says, shoot, that cow don't give no milk. I have to take a stick and beat it for an hour. Then I have to take its head and hit it against the wall for 45 minutes. And then I have to take another rod and whip it across the bottom. Then I have to tie its neck down to the fence. And then she'll settle down and let me get some milk from her. He says, she don't give me nothing. I have to take everything. Is God having to take everything from you that you have that you get, He gets to you? I'm saying this part after we've taken up the offering. So it's not about your money today. What I'm saying is this. It's about your sacrifice. Jesus came because of a sacrifice. And I don't believe you should just write every check. I believe this. You want to know my belief in giving? Percentage-based giving as the Holy Spirit leads. I don't believe anybody should empty their whole bank account unless the Lord shows up with an angel and blinds you and says, do it, and then you better find five people that you respect a whole lot and that know God and ask them what they think about it because anybody telling you to do that is crazy. I'm just being honest with you. Jesus never, except one time, asked somebody to give all they had. And He didn't ask them to give it to Him. But He did talk about giving. And we believe in percentage-based giving in this church. We believe 10% of what we have belongs to the Lord. And i got to be honest with you. I got challenged this year. Me and Jim give 10%. And my 10% is not a sacrifice anymore. As a matter of fact... We've done it long enough and we've seen the benefits of it so large in our life that I could not do it. I get excited on Thai Sunday for us because I know that's what is opening blessings on Monday. And so I love to write that Thai Sunday so that I can go to blessing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And so i got to be honest with you, tithing is not even a sacrificial gift for me anymore. So my problem is this. I got into Christmas thinking, God, what can I give you? And he's saying, one, I want you to give me your greatest failures, cricket. Number two, I want you to give me your worship. But number three, I want you to give me a sacrifice. Oh, I tithe, Lord. No. He checked me. He said, cricket, that's not a sacrifice for you no more. There's no pain involved in your life for that. As a matter of fact, there's only blessing. So me and Jen began to say, God, what, what sacrifice do we need to make? Is it time? Is it energy? Is it is it?" Influence? Who do you need me to share? Is it financial? Because of this. If you will give God a sacrifice this year, and you'll decide that you're going to make your life a lifestyle of sacrifice, your life will move into a supernatural realm like you can't even imagine. The gift of myrrh was given to Jesus in representation of the sacrifice He was going to go through. He went through the sacrifice. And on the other side, he became King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He became the risen Messiah, the Savior. When you move into a place of sacrifice, sacrificial living, I didn't say giving. Sacrificial living, when you say, God, it's not easy for me to go to church today, but I'm going to. Man, I sure don't feel like raising my hands and pray. Why do you think the Bible says the sacrifice of praise? When you can move to a place of sacrificial living, you do what God wants you to do when you don't want to do it. And when it's tough, what happens is that releases the supernatural living into your life. This is what happens. One, the first week we talked about the frankincense. God being God, you give Him your worst tragedies, your worst mistakes. And He has something to do something with. 
Number two, you give Him your worship. He has a place to do it in. But then three, when you move your life in any area of sacrificial living, you do it when other people don't understand. You sell out at a level that people think you're crazy. You move into a place to want God to touch you and do something in your life that there is no price too high. What happens is you give God somebody to work through. I believe those are the three gifts this year that we can give God. One, you can give God your greatest pain. He makes a testimony. Two, you give Him His worship. He, comes, he has an environment to work in. But then when you move into a sacrificial living, you give Him somebody to work through. He will use you to change the world. So I'm going to ask you this. we got our youth going to come up and do a song. And I'm going to pray over you real quickly. That you don't let 2020 be the same 2019 was. Yeah. See it a little different. I love 2020 being the vision thing. And you're going to hear me a lot going into it, going into the year. But I believe this. If you make the decision to look at everything in your life differently than you did last year, God will have the ability to do something different in your life than He ever did before. And so I'm going to ask God to show you somewhere in your life that you've gotten comfortable, it's gotten easy, that you know what I'm saying, that you, you might not even be doing anything wrong, but there's no price involved in it anymore. And that God would show you an area that you could see that maybe I could sacrifice a little bit more right here. I give a little bit more to him right here and let him use me to do a little bit more in this area. See the Bible says God came to give life, but you need to know something. There's more available because it says and Life more abundantly. God's always taking more of me. But He's always giving me more of Him. There's a gift exchange. And so we have little bottles of myrrh. The youth are going to do this song. I'm going to pray. And when you feel the Lord speak to your life in the area of sacrifice, what you can lay at the feet of Jesus, whether it be your giftings, your talent, your time, whether it be your ability, whether it be your knowledge, whether it be your skill, whether it be your sphere of influence of people outside the walls, or whether it be part of a financial thing this year, I believe the Lord will speak to you in a way that you will know that it's Him. And when you make the commitment, when you purpose in your heart, you come take the gift that He gives back to you. And that is this. Any suffering that you suffer for His name, He will pay you back. The Bible says that when we're persecuted, we're to jump for joy. Because that God will bless you far and above and use you far and above you could ever think, imagine. It says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good, not of evil. Thoughts give you a future and hope. He's not a wife beater. He doesn't abuse his children. He doesn't ever miss child support. He's always involved. It says, no eye has seen, no ears heard the good things that God has in store for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. So I want to ask you, where can you sacrifice for the Lord this year? Where can you say, God, I want to give you this. And it's going to cost me. I'm going to feel it. But I want you to have it. And when He gets it, He will use it. But He won't use it without you. He will use it through you every single time. So bow your head. Father God, I ask you, Holy Spirit, I ask you, going into this Christmas season, that you would speak to each one of us. 
And God, I pray that I didn't do Your Word injustice. I pray that people don't walk out of thinking it's money. I don't want their money. You don't need their money. And what I'm saying is this. But a place that we can lay something at Your feet of more value than money, and it is cost. And in anywhere that we allow our life to be laid at Your feet in the area of cost, God, I thank You that You in return will fill the place that we gave and use us for Your glory in the name of Jesus.